welcome to Season 5 of the Jesus, Joy, and Java Podcast. I am so glad you're here, as this will be an exciting season. Is there a woman of the Bible that has impacted your walk with Jesus? I'm looking forward to the next few weeks as we learn about some incredible women who were brave, faithful, and obedient to God's calling. The more we know about these women, the more we will be able to understand God's character. Let's get ready to sit at the feet of Jesus as we get to know some women of the Bible. Welcome to the series on the women of the Bible. Today we will be learning about Ruth. The Old Testament book of Ruth is a favorite of many people, especially women, as it is a story about the relationship between Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. It's also a love story between Ruth and Boaz. Here are some fun facts of the book of Ruth before we get into the summary. The name Ruth in Hebrew means compassionate friend. When this book was written and who wrote it is uncertain. Ruth goes from being a poor widow to being wealthy and remarried. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, had another daughter-in-law named Orpah, not Oprah. Orpah chose to leave Naomi and was never mentioned again in the Bible. Ruth is the great grandmother of David. Interesting facts, right? So we're not going to be reading all the four chapters in this book, but I suggest that you read these chapters on your own when you have time. Today, we're only going to be looking at the main points of each chapter and how Ruth's story applies to us today. Okay, let's get started. Some of this background is from BibleStudy.com and other Bible commentaries. Chapter 1 of the book of Ruth begins with a little bit of background of a famine that was taking place in the land of Judah during the days of the judges of Israel. During this famine, a man by the name of Elimelech took his wife Naomi and their two sons out of Judah to go live in the country of Moab. Unfortunately, Elimelech died, and his two sons took wives in the land of Moab, something that by tradition in the Jewish faith was not encouraged. According to Life Application Study Bible, marrying a Canaanite and those living within the borders of the Promised Land was against the law in the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 3 to 6, we read, No Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even the tenth generation, for they did not come to meet you with bread and water on your way when you came out of Egypt. And they hired Balaam, son of Beor, from Pathor, and Aram Naharim to pronounce a curse on you. However, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but turned the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them as long as you live. 
In other words, in those days, Moabites were not allowed to worship in the tabernacle because they had not let the Israelites pass through their land during the exodus from Egypt. Ironically, it was Ruth, a Moabite, whom God used as an example of genuine spiritual character. Sorrowfully, once again for this family, the two sons also died, then leaving the family with no males. The sons' wives were named Orpah, and the other was named Ruth. When the famine ended, Elimelech's widow, Naomi, decided to return to Judah and she told her daughters-in-laws that they should return to their own land with their families. So Orpah kissed Naomi goodbye, but Ruth remained loyal to her mother-in-law. She insisted on staying with her and adopting Naomi's God as her own. Ruth says in verse 16 of chapter 1, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. So I'm guessing that back in those days, it was a common practice to stay with your mother-in-law if you were a widow. Hmm, would you go live with your mother-in-law? Okay, you don't need to answer that. Let's move on to chapter 2. In chapter 2, Ruth requests Naomi's permission to glean barley behind the harvesters. As Ruth seeks an owner who will show her favor in her work, she happens upon a field owned by Boaz, who happens to be Naomi's relative. Boaz, out of compassion, kindness, and obedience to the law, allows Ruth to glean, but also leaves extra grain for her on purpose. Boaz plays a very important role in Ruth's life as he is a kinsman of Naomi's late husband Elimelech. When Ruth went to look for work in Boaz's vineyard, Boaz asked about her and was very impressed by her kindness, especially when he learned that she left her parents to stay with Naomi. The Lord will repay you, Boaz told Ruth so he began to show her favorable treatment and insisted that Ruth glean only from his fields so that she will feel safe. He also invited her to lunch as if she were one of his servants. Ruth was overwhelmed by his kindness. One day Ruth returned home with plenty of food after her full day of work. Ruth and Naomi had enough food till the end of the harvest, and probably enough to live on for a year. Naomi knew that God was in the midst of the blessing and comforting them through Boaz, a near kinsman. In chapter 3, as the harvest is ending, Naomi decides that Boaz would make a good husband for Ruth. Naomi encourages Ruth to seek marriage with Boaz as a kinsman redeemer and gives instructions to Ruth. Naomi tells Ruth to go to the threshing floor and wait until Boaz has celebrated the harvest and fallen asleep. When he awakens, he will be in a good mood and they will have privacy amidst the other threshers who sleep nearby to protect the grain. 
And finally, in chapter 4, we see that Boaz and Ruth are married. Ruth conceives a son named Obed, the grandfather of the great King David, in the lineage of Christ, our Messiah. So, can you see the sovereignty of God in the story of Ruth? We see that God was with Ruth every step of the way, and He used her to fulfill His plan. He guided her every step of the way to become His child and fulfill His plan for her to become an ancestor of Jesus Christ. In Matthew's genealogy, in Matthew chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, it says, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. This is why we should trust and believe that God has a plan for each of us. Both Naomi and Ruth trusted and were dependent on God to provide for them, and so should we. What are some things that we can learn from the book of Ruth? First of all, we can learn about hard work. We can see Ruth's efforts and hard work from the very first chapter. She was not afraid to work. She made a commitment to stick with Naomi. She also took the initiative to go out to the harvest fields to gather food. And while in Boaz's field, she worked hard all day and all evening. Furthermore, she worked the entire barley harvest and wheat harvest. We also learn about taking care of the needy. Two people in particular are cared for in this book of Ruth, Ruth and Naomi. When Naomi's husband and her two sons died, Ruth stepped in and took care of Naomi. Naomi had nothing to offer Ruth, but Ruth still showed a strong commitment to care for her. Then Boaz stepped in and cared for both Ruth and Naomi. We also learn about being patient and waiting. Ruth displayed remarkable patience as she continued working in Boaz's field throughout the barley and wheat harvest. When Naomi instructed Ruth about what to do in order to seek their family redeemer, Ruth prepared carefully. She waited for Boaz and went to lay down at his feet to wait for him to wake up. Even after this process, Ruth had to wait longer in order to find out if the closer family redeemer would take her or if it was going to be Boaz. How does the book of Ruth apply to us today? So while reviewing these four chapters, I could see that God uses circumstances in our lives to accomplish his great plans. We can see from the beginning of the story how God was using Ruth and intended for Ruth to be a part of his greater plan of the lineage of Jesus. It all started with the famine in chapter 1 and then Ruth relocating with Naomi to Moab to meet Boaz. God does the same thing in our lives today. He places us in situations and places we never imagined. 
And then we look back and we could see that it was for his purpose. He even chooses our mother-in-law or our daughter-in-law and places them in our lives in his perfect timing. Perhaps it's to increase our patience or to build our character. So let's chat a little bit about the mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws. I like to call them the Mills and the Dills. So we know from watching sitcoms and movies that mother-in-law and daughter-in-law relationships are not always easy. We might even hear some jokes about mother-in-laws and even read in the book of Genesis in chapter 27 about Rebecca complaining to Isaac about her daughter-in-law. Yes, even back in those days, there was conflict between the Mills and the Dills. But why is there so much conflict between the Mills and the Dills? More than likely, it's because they both love the same man. In a different way, of course. The Mill struggles with letting go of the man who is her son, but is now the husband of another woman. They both care about what he does, about how he treats his children, what he eats, what he wears, or even about how he spends his money. His mother wants to make sure that he does what she taught him. Perhaps you've easily connected with your mill from the moment that you met her and have even become the best of friends with her. Perhaps you've had a difficult relationship with your mill and you're always offending each other with harsh words and criticism or even avoiding one another. We all agree that we do not get to choose our mill or our dill, but we must always remember that God picked her especially for us. Therefore, we must treat her with respect and kindness. I know, I know, you're probably thinking, but Patty, you don't know my mill, or you don't know my deal. (laughs) Sister, she still deserves to be honored as the woman God chose to be the mother of your husband or your son's wife. As a follower of Christ, in the Bible, we're instructed to honor our father and mother, we are also instructed in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17 to honor everyone. So how can we work on having a better relationship with our mill or our dill? First of all, by praying for her or praying with her if possible. Ask God to strengthen or restore your relationship. In Romans 15, verses 5 and 6, it says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Another way to improve our relationship with our mill or our dill is to stop complaining about your mill to your husband. And if you're a mill, do not go to your son to complain about his wife. This only creates division in your family. Colossians chapter 3 verse 8 says, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. What we can do instead is spend time with our mill or our dill. Let's show them that we value them. I admit, prior to getting married, I heard horror stories about mills. But thankfully, when I met my mill, we got along very well. 
Yes, when I first met her, I saw so many virtues in her and I wanted to learn from her. So I started to spend more time with her by doing something that she loves to do. And that is shopping at thrift stores. Whenever my husband and I go to visit her in Arizona, I like to escape to the thrift stores with my mother-in-law for a few hours. She has taught me how to be a better homemaker and how to be more frugal. Now I love thrift stores and I always look for ways to cut costs by making items by hand. So I highly recommend investing time in your mill or your dill. Try to get to know her better. You never know, you might learn something new. So by spending time with them, you might grow to love and develop an unexpected friendship. Let's not forget, we did not choose this relationship. And if there's any conflict, God will give us grace to forgive whatever they have done to us. We can trust that God is using our mill or our dill as a way to test our faith and produce perseverance, as it says in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces patience, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And finally, sweet sisters, the most important thing we can learn about the story of Ruth is that we also have a Redeemer that can rescue us, just like Ruth had Boaz. His name is Jesus. Sisters, I pray that this episode has inspired you to go back and read the four chapters of the book of Ruth on your own. Believe that God has a greater plan for your life. He sent Jesus to redeem us and to rescue us from our sin. For some of us, He saved us from our emptiness, devastation, and self-destruction. Let's be obedient and willing to be used for His glory. Let's work on our relationship with our mills and dills so that we can be beyond blessed like Ruth was. I look forward to spending more time with you next Monday as we learn about another woman of the Bible. For this series on the women of the Bible, I would like to recommend a book that will help you cultivate Christ-honoring daily habits and overcome fear and build unwavering faith. This book is titled The Set Apart Woman by Leslie Ludy. Have you ever felt an ache for something more than your Christian walk? Do you long to leave apathy behind and pursue passionate devotion to the one true King? Leslie Ludy presents a powerful, beautiful vision for becoming wholly consecrated to Christ, showing you how to trade unfulfilling distractions for purpose-filled living and exchange confusion and doubt for joy and confidence. I hope that you will join me in reading this book. I have included the link for this book in the show notes and also in the Jesus, Joy, and Java Facebook page. If today's episode has inspired you to grow closer to God through His Word, please share this podcast with a sister friend. 
Your sharing and caring has allowed the Jesus Joy and Java podcast to rank in the top 30% of the most globally shared podcasts on Spotify. Please continue to help me get God's word to more women all over the world. And don't forget to follow Jesus Joy and Java on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. All of the links are in the show notes. May our lives always be filled with more Jesus, more joy, and more Java. See you next week.